mistaken. 4.30 is the right time. Happy Heritage Month. Great to have you with us. We hope you are well. Now, the curator of the upcoming Rutananga Book Festival 2020 is also an author and a publisher. And of course, if you know the music of Sankomota, then you probably must have read Sankomota. An epic in one album, a reflective essay that he penned some time ago. A pleasure and a privilege to welcome Ndate Pele Mufukeng. What's on that? Hi, Ate Manane. Let's do it. I'm on that. I'm on that. I'm on that. I'm on that. Thank you for joining us and for waking up so early. Happy Heritage Month. And to you. And to you. And it's my birthday month, as a matter of fact, so... Celebrations all around, I suppose. When is the birthday, sir? On Saturday. On Saturday? Mm. It's lucky. Um, yes. I, I hope you get paid tomorrow, then it can be party time. <laughs> why, why? <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> At level one, Nohal, you can have a few extra people to come over. Yes, indeed. Obviously, indeed. observing all the uh, protocols, space, and all of those. But you know, we hope it's going to be a lovely one. And it's it's so brilliant because as an author, uh, chances are you will get an idea as to what to to pen going forward, given COVID and many other things. Even even before COVID. Um Personally, I'm obsessed with music and musicians. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to write something about uh, the music of Moses Malalekwa. Ah. Um, I'm also interested in the genius of Kefa Semenya. Yes. Um, you know, a, a lot of people don't know that he scored music for Roots, um, the original Roots, Roots of 1977. Yes. Yes. A lot of people don't know that when Quincy Jones talks about some of the top composers that he has ever worked with in the world, he mentions Kefa Semenya uh, among those. So um, the man's man's legacy and knowledge and experience and just genius is amazing. Also, when you're right there, please ask him, how does he manage to look so good at 81? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with that kind of genius and knowledge, how does he also manage to remain so humble and down to earth, you know? I mean, meeting that man, you're just awed by his presence, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Always smiling, and uh, even his command of Sesotho is still so solid. Yes, um... And yeah, like you know, it's 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 things like that for me that that are interesting. That someone that has um, such immense international knowledge and experience and all of that, these worked with giants, still remains so deeply rooted um, in the African sort of domain. You know, it's so it, I suppose it shows that that's what the world wants. The world doesn't want us to be mini americans it wants us to be the real us you know <laughs> mini me mini americans <laughs> yes yes uh, that's funny <laughs> um, <laughs> um obviously as a writer as a publisher and obviously um 
that curator, you know, some people would say you're a self-appointed custodian of the Basutu culture. That title you hear him quite a lot, I, I, I think. Yes. So, and the, the um, many responsibilities, big responsibilities that come with that kind of, um, I suppose, self-appointment because Firstly, when you say Basoto culture, you are speaking about something extremely huge. Remember, to even be called Basoto is is one of Mushashu's biggest dreams for the continent because by Basoto, what he meant was Basoto, the brown one. Right? Yeah, so, it's, so when you say Basoto culture, you are, are you saying I'm the custodian of all cultures of Africa? Um, because technically, by way of language, by English, yes, Basotho is people that speak Sesotho, but philosophically, Basotho is Basotho, the Brahmins, people of Africa. So um, I am my brother's keeper. So yes, I'm, I suppose, you know, we should be the custodians of each other's culture in the continent throughout. Yeah. Just on that, and can I quickly ask you, Tapelo Yabasoto. Can you briefly unpack that for us? When somebody says, do you understand Tapelo Yabasoto? I do. In many ways, I do. Um, even though I might forget the words here and there. But, um, but the, the, the meaning of it, when, when people say Tapelo Yabasoto, there's a, um, I, I'm talking from a context of connecting with the creator and the higher being how it is approached and how it connects with uh, uh, culture, if you will. Yes. So, um, it is interesting you are asking this question because everyone thinks that mono, monotheism, which is the reverence to one deity or to one God, is actually Western when it is not. Um, the Egyptians are the first people to 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 actually get rid of the other gods and actually refer to one god, which is Amunra, depending on what text you read, right? So the idea of one god is actually uh, African, and then it gets exported to the West through uh, what Greece has always done to the continent, which is to buy everything that we were doing. So the story of uh, Christianity and all of that, parts of it comes from this idea of monotheism, which is one God. And Africans have always um, looked towards the one God. So when you say Tata Macholo, Mupisia, Disamachonor, when you say Diata Drobokileke Obopamasia, clearly, Basoto have always known that there is. Um, a being, a presence higher than than them for for the past forever. Um, part of what we are doing with Rutanang is we are speaking to a very knowledgeable gentleman called Tintate Mutolo Kozulu Matabozulu, um, who also delineates this knowledge of Basotho. Among other things, when Basotho say, they are referring to... <laughs> Um, you will see Jupiter and its 69 moons, right? And how did Basotu know that Jupiter is um, a planet and it has moons, right? So 
our knowledge of of not just Mudimu, Badimu, Tata Machol, and how to approach the single deity that that we, we are so to call Tata Machol, that we call the Lingua in other languages that we call Nkulunkulu, um, and also remember that the, the brilliance of of this knowledge lies also in the language. Really to say Nkulunkulu is to say the really big one, or Mkulu Abumkulu, right? Yes. The eldest one of our elders. So part of the knowledge itself lies in the very language that uh, we think um, that we do not want our children to speak. We take them to these English medium schools and we think that they are smart if they don't know their own parents' languages. So it's part of that knowledge, yeah, not just Tapelaba Soto, because I, I can hear you want focus on Tapelaba Soto. Uh, let, let me tell you why in the demo for game. Because I, I, I was told by an elder that understanding Tapeleba Soto is that Rerapela Hubu Badimu Barona Rebakope Herbariele Homudimu. Yes, it's, we, we, we talked to the ancestors. We asked them to make a connection with God. And God will talk to them and then they will pass on the messages to us. Therefore, that's why um, sometimes people say, I prayed, but, you know, I don't get no answers. But these answers take time, but they will get there. Yes. But also remember that you don't pray the ancestors. Maybe you pray through the ancestors. Yes, right? you ask them. Yes. You give yes. them the message to God. You say, look, be the conduit, because this is the protocol. Yes, yeah, exactly, precisely. That word that is just is protocol, right? Because which is a sort or as in the African culture, you would not go and get married, but you would actually ask your parents to go get married for you, right? So the protocol is you will go to the big goal through this conduit. So it's it's really a matter of protocol. So how we approach Mudimo and and all of that is always through we are lesser beings by being here. Therefore, we ask those who have come before us because they will also have the language, the tongue to speak to on our behalf to the higher being. So yes, that's that's my approach to to that, yes. I think I should uh, book you to come and teach me a little bit more on Tate Mufugeng. We'll talk more in a moment with Tate Piala Mufugeng. Uh, we'll look at uh, the Rutanang Kasi uh, uh, Book Festival 2020. It kicks off tomorrow. We'll talk about it in a moment. SFM playing your music. Hashtag Heritage Day 2020. <laughs> Heritage Day on 24 September recognizes and celebrates the cultural wealth of our nation. Living heritage is the foundation of all communities and an essential source of identity and continuity. Even though the pandemic is keeping us apart, let's keep the fires of our cultural diversity burning virtually and in your own homes. SAFM. 
Leading the conversation. Ndata Pelo Mufukeng, a guest on the line. Ndata Mufukeng, the festival yes. assembly. Yes. What gives? I'm excited. Yes. Um, um, the festival is, is yeah, one of those things that um, um, the world of literature, especially in the continent and in particular in South Africa, has um, grown. So, but still, there is hardly any event, any celebration of writers of African language, right? Um, as if in order to be this, this big thing among publishers and writers that to be an author, you have to write in English, as if people that write in anything other than English are not authors. So the main aim is really to foreground um, writers of literature in other languages. Um, I'm excited about the Koi, Koi Tunnel with Denver Toroha and uh, Professor Daisy from Sol Plague University. I'm excited with the creative writing workshop in Sutwana by Professor Shole Shole. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. Um, and then we'll have a tribute um, poetry reading for Maisha Jenkins, who just passed away, one of yes, um, yes. our dear and loved sister who mentored some of us who wrote with us, who read poems with us. But also there will be a lot of other uh, language uh, authors. For example, Sabelo Soko, who is an excellent, excellent inbound Yasi Zulu. Sizanko, and Putanebo Fellow, who writes extremely well, Kasaso, to both Soto and English. Um, it's it's packed. It's it's wonderful. I I, I if we had all the money in the world or the team China, um, we would have this for a week because this is hardly, hardly um, enough for such a big um, pool of writers in the country. And the languages that are represented from Sipulana to Sekoi to... Um, to uh, I see as well. Yes, yes. Hey, this is nice. I mean, because some time, some time back, uh, we spoke to two gentlemen. Uh, one would uh, say Kibapedi, but they were breaking it down. The one was saying Kimupedi, and the other one was saying Kimulowedi. But sometimes when they speak, uh, you know, that I'm trying to avoid saying dialect, but the language sounded almost similar but different. Absolutely, and and when you say Kimulowedi, I would also say Kipulana, which is. Yes. Apparently, very different to Siluidu. Uh, um, and that is the point. That is the point. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I studied languages at, at university, uh, African languages. And it's very important to, you know, not minimize other people's languages and call them dialects. We are not the ones to, to do that. We shouldn't do that. They see it as a language and we should treat it as a language. Um Therefore, we wanted to represent as many people as, as possible and as many languages as possible. But I'm excited with, with that Sipulana panel with Gurinaf Mashekho, uh, Moses Leticia, uh, which, yeah, funny enough, as you are saying, uh, Mupedi and uh, Mupulana, you know. Um, and and um, I, I look forward to that. I look forward to um, pushing Tadini and... Um, 
Sandy to talk about and learn the Ubuntu in literature in African languages and so on. So yeah, I'm I'm truly, truly excited to that. Can I ask this question, Dr. Mufuge? Uh, in yes, in terms of African writing, if, if you look at, uh, um, shall we say, other languages, English writers uh, and, and other languages, uh, they're able to write fiction, they're able to write historical books, romance and all of that. In African writing, where are we in that space as well? Are we able to write those? Uh, are they romantic novels and, and all of that? Or th- th- there are areas that need development? So I, I actually invite you to, to join because it will be virtual. So one of the panels that we'll be talking about is exactly that, the new genres in African languages writing, which is erotica, funny enough, Jeez. and, <laughs> and I... crime fiction in, in African languages. So yeah, there is, there is in, interesting developments, but yeah, of course, we need development in other areas, yes. That will be fascinating because sometimes we we are seen as conservative. Uh, we we are comfortable with certain words being said in English, but when they are said in our African languages, it becomes a bit of a taboo. Even your mama would smack you. Yes, and um, and that's because of context, right? So, for example, erotica in Sesotho. Um, my second book is a Sesotho novel, which touches a bit on that erotic element, it touches on crime, it touches on buloi and mysticism and all of that. But it is really about context and how you use those words. For example, um, sex. Sex is a big taboo in, in, in Sesotho, but we can talk about it for, for the length of your show, and I would not mention the word sex once but you would understand exactly what I'm saying um, if we contextualize what we are talking about. Also, our languages have um, many tools that help us to talk about those, I suppose, in inverted commas, taboo subjects. And children would not even understand what you are saying, but you and I would, would converse just, just as well on, on and about that. So, it, you know, if you can contextualize it properly, we can talk about just about anything, really. Yeah, I remember uh, it took me years to understand how all the guys were talking about these sweets, these sweets, and I discovered later that actually they were talking about sex. Yes, absolutely. Uh, for example, uh, today would say, uh, right? Yeah, but... And, <laughs> and and yeah, you you are completely lost as a child. You are completely lost as a non-speaker of the language. But it's a fully blown conversation in, in, in that we can talk about. That's also to say hobata, so metaphors and and other kinds of uh, figures of speech that would help us talk about that. And that's the beauty of those languages because. Um, I mean, I was reading my manuscript the other day to myself, and I was like, damn, I can write in this language, because it was so floral. It, it flew so so beautifully, and um, it was pages and pages on this love affair between these two young people. And I had not mentioned sex once, but I was talking about sex, you know? You guys have been speaking in codes for, for a long time, and people don't realize that, ne? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, what makes uh, these subjects taboo is to try and understand them in English first and then take them to 
to our languages. Yes, they become taboo. But um, if you understand and um, your point of origination is your language, you will find the words to to say exactly what you want to say. So, and speaking of that, I think of Kaifa Simeon and some of the things that he sings about. Um, um, deep, intense love and, you know, he says absolutely nothing taboo, but he's talking about, for example, in Matwale, and he's talking about this intense love for a man and his children and his wife wants to leave and so on and so on. And it's so beautiful, you know. So what else is, is, is on the menu? Because uh, the festival kicks off tomorrow until the 27th. And I like the, 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 the Koi uh, panel as well. But w- what else is, is, is on the menu? So we start with a, a few, I think, two or three closed sessions on just on writing and exploring the languages uh, on uh, Friday. Um, that wrote just just to mention some very big names. Kabelo Khatia is a um, Motswana writer, and in history, no one has written um, so much about um, in Setswana than Duncan Kabelo Khatia. He's written 16 um, radio plays, he's written seven Setswana novels, he's written so many things. So since 1994, no one, no Motswana in South Africa has written. Um, to the prolific level of Kabelo uh, Khatia. So he's providing a creative writing workshop on Friday and on Saturday. Um, I'm providing a workshop on publishing and how to start. So we want young people to continue because to say they should start is, is to mean that they are not doing it now. But there's a lot of small publishing companies that are mushrooming throughout the country. So we want to encourage that. So we'll be talking about that. Um, and then on Saturday, we have um, just about everything from uh, professors in Lesotho to um, uh, poets in South Africa to the Koi panel to Sipulana, Silobedu, Sipedi, to Mpushin David wrote a broken river tent. Uh, we've been uh, chatting with uh, Sandy Sokobe about land Ubuntu literature. Sabatam Pomukai is another very well-known Muslim writer. He'll uh, be talking about um, Muhudi. Muhudi tends a hundred this year. Um, if you would remember that Muhudi was was finished in um, 19... 1920, it was published in 1930, if memory serves, but it was finished in 1920. So we're celebrating 100 years of including that panel as well. And then on Sunday, um, we have a very big literature, a children's literature program, because funny enough, people think that uh, language, I mean, literature for children does not exist in Sosopu, in Sosana, in Suvenda, and so on, and it does. And we'll be talking about that. We'll be giving away uh, vouchers from one of our sponsors and, and so on. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah. I must ask Sabata Mpomogai, why did he cut his dreadlocks? Because I'm trying to get used to him. Sans his dreadlocks. <laughs> <But> that's that's <laughs> another case. 
Um, I, I see the list here. The, the theme for the festival is in the words of our ancestors. I think that is apt, aptly uh, themed. 50 uh, authors, 20 poets, 26 panels, and obviously publishing and short story writing as well. Um, the master classes. Yes, yes. Um, and I still think it's, it's, a, it's minuscule in comparison to what other English festivals are doing. Um, in the country, you must remember French Hook has um, about 112 panels over three days in nine venues. So we still need to do more. Um, you know, I wish I wish our government could be looking our way and um, helping us take this further than where it is. Um, 50, 50 authors and 20 poets is still very, very, very small. Um, because you know, because um, it is not true that first black people are not reading. It is not true that they are not writing. It is not true that uh, we are not writing in our languages. I just think we are not writing enough. We are not reading enough. Um, we are not writing enough. But but there is a lot of it happening, and I think it needs a lot of encouragement. It needs um, a lot of money and incentive. You know. <laughs> In Iceland, Iceland is about 450,000 people uh, for a population. When you write in Icelandic, in, in their languages, you can actually get paid for a whole year to sit at home and actually write your book. If those countries can do that for development of their own languages, I fail to understand why it is that we cannot do that for our own languages. Um, and another thing is that we have to start using these languages in a more commercial way, and that's how our children will see value in them. For now, they, you know, they see us as, you know, there's a funny story. Um, this young chap is sitting at home with his father. Someone knocks at the door, and um, this six-year-old boy goes back to the house and he says, Dad, uh, that man that speaks your language is here, right? <laughs> Hey, that uh, as I was going to say that uh, you know, um, you know, back in the day they would say hide something in the book. Some of us won't find it. These days we find it because we're reading a lot more, a lot more books. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I just think that um, there is, of course, uh, a lot of economic factors that go into the pricing of books. Number one. And the books are, a lot of these books are very far away from where they should be read. So, so very few bookstores in townships and so on. Uh, and very few books written in people's languages. Other than that, uh, it, it just isn't true that black people are not reading. Abantu Book Festival uh, in December sells maybe two, three hundred thousand worth of books in a weekend. To who? You know, if we are not reading. True that, true that. that uh, um, where do we find ways to register for this exciting uh, uh, festival? You, I can't wait. Uh, the links should be up by by sunrise uh, on our Facebook page, Rutanang Kasibuk Festival on Facebook, and on our website. And on our website, Rutanangkasibokfestival.co.za, 
And it's free, actually. Everything is, is free. Um, and we encourage everyone, everyone to come and, and join us. What time do we start? We start at 9 o'clock. With, um, so we wanted to take um, parts of the workshops to the general public. So we start on Saturday with that workshop at half past nine with Ndate Kabelo Khatia, and we stop at around six. Ndate Mufuking, 40 books later, and uh, you still got the vuma and the energy. Uh, the current manuscripts? Say that again, Dad. The current manuscript, what are you working on? Uh, book number 41, at least? Uh, so it's a, it's a dicey one. I don't know which one to read first. Uh, but it's a it's a Sosotho novel um, uh, set in the backwaters of Free State where I come from. And it's a riveting. It's, um, yeah, it's, it brings forth the um, knowledge of Dikari. And I don't want to say Bului because uh, Dikari is not only about the evil and negative side, but it's about Dikari, it's about uh, mythology, mysticism, crime, uh, love, love affair, and politics, uh, all in one. Uh, but the second one that um, I'm weighing that against is is uh, a note for Moses Mundalekwa. Um, and it's really just about Moses Mundalekwa's music. And, you know, in the in this time of gender-based violence, of course, one has to say a thing or two about mm. um, um, the ending of his life. But that is not the focus of the book. The focus of the book is Moses Mugadakwa's music. And that amazing, amazing song called Nobu that he performs live in France. It's such a beautiful song.